Hey everybody, we are back with our Black Voices Matter segment here on the Choose Inclusion podcast. Um, as always, I am joined by Nina and Mike. How are you guys doing? All right. How's everyone? Doing okay. Excited for uh, this conversation. Yeah, me too. I, I um, So Anthony Josie, he's a technology specialist at NASDAQ in New York City. Um, I came across a, a post on LinkedIn by a mutual friend of ours, Karen Fleshman, who was um, posting about Anthony and his participation in the early protests in Central Park in New York City. And I just, I, I just thought, man, I want... I, I want to listen to someone like Anthony. And so well, Anthony, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you for, you know, trusting us to to do this with you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, for the record, I just want to clear up what Karen said. Uh, it wasn't in Central Park, it was actually in Times Square. So oh, okay. we so we staged it in Times Square. And um the so our of course I was angry. I was frustrated with George Floyd a modern day lynching, you know, to, to see that on air, even in 2020, it's just really horrendous. And I was angry, I was frustrated, but, you know, I didn't have the energy, nor did I want to cause like a riot and be like, bleep the police and just, you know, assault officers and shoot officers and tear up and start looting and stuff like that. That's the wrong way to go. You know, that's been going on with the Watts riots and even before that in the 60s. So, you know, obviously that's not the way to go. So I felt that one way that I can express my anger and my voice was through visual arts. So what I did was I, I um, planned and organized a peaceful artistic protest where people from all over that I know of that are artistic in their, in their own right, that do poetry, that do rap, that do singing, that does interpretive dance um, and spoken word, and converge together and really let their voices be heard through that outlet instead of doing it like, you know, the other way as we see on media being portrayed. And um, we did that there. We did some demonstrations, as you can see in pictures. And um, we talked about the elephant in the room, about racial inequality and how, you know, basically white Americans need to wake up and see that this is a, a systemic problem that's been going on for generations and generations. Generation. And then from there, we walked from there down to 34th Street and back up to Times Square. Um, and then from there, that was it. You know, uh, it, it was a good turnout. It was like a one and done thing for me because of my underlying conditions. I had open heart surgery, so um, I can't really be out there and, and look at the crowd doing the whole coronavirus like that as well. So, you know, it was also for my health. I just put I to do it once and really let my voice be heard. And um, it's, it's been... It's been crazy ever since my phone has been stopped ringing and you know people haven't haven't stopped you know hitting me up like you guys which I really appreciate and um I'm just ready to just talk about the elephant in the room and what we all can do to change it. And that's that's incredibly powerful. I'm actually looking at the picture right now on LinkedIn that Karen Fleshman had posted and it's um it's a it it definitely hits you right in the heart when you look at that photo. It it's a flood of emotions looking at that. And so um I, I think it's interesting that you said that um you you gathered a group of artists and uh and folks to to do this. I, I mean how what is your impression about how the media 
has been portraying everything and, and why you felt the need for, you know, artists and, and, you know, your community to come together to, to do this differently. Well, I think, I think the media whitewashes it because it's like, you, you look at this, you, okay, you, what you do is, what you should, people should do, they should take two TVs and put them next to each other, right? One TV saying about what people of color are doing in terms of writing and looting and all that stuff, right? Then take, then take another TV and look at uh, Stanley Cup final victory and see what they do. So we're labeled as thugs and, and, and animals and, and all this stuff. And we get tear gas thrown on us and, and, and shot at us. But then you see a Stanley Cup final win and you see the same type of people tearing up the town. Oh, they're just celebrating. They're just expressing their emotions. So it's, 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 it's double standard. Another way, even in sports, Colin Kaepernick, he took a knee, what everybody's doing now across the world, taking a knee to take a stand against social injustice and police brutality. And an army veteran asked him to do that. It was under his own will. He wanted to find out a way that can be respectful to the flag, as well as to the soldiers who fought for it. And the soldier himself says, you know what, kneeling on one knee well. And that's what he'd done. They blackballed him from the NFL. Now, everybody's doing it. And people like LeBron James, they talk about social injustice and racial inequality and police brutality. We're told to shut up and dribble. Meanwhile, Drew Brees expresses how people shouldn't be kneeling. He doesn't kneel for the flag. And he doesn't people that, 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 that does it. And he's expressing his bit of right. So like I said, it's a double standard everywhere we go. And that's why people, or at least my generation, because I come from a three-generational household where I had to listen to my grandmother talk about the civil rights era and listen to my great uncle, you know, having to, to, to pick up guns and, and take up arms just to fight off, you know, people that tried to take advantage over his rights. And this is a guy that came from the Vietnam War to still come back to injustice in the community. And that's not right. And then to hear my mom, you know, protesting her, uh, what's going on with, with police brutality back in the 80s and then in the early 90s. And now we're going through it. So it, it's, 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 it's disheartening and people are frustrated. My generation is frustrated. But that's why they are acting the way they're acting. Because if you guys are old enough to remember, same thing happened in 91, 92. Same thing happened in 1963 with the Rocks riots. So it's like, it's, it's a never ending cycle and it shouldn't be like that. So uh, Anthony, um, this, is, this is Mike Cass again. And I, again, thank you for coming on. I, I'd, um, so you, you were, I mean, you, you're, you got a very technical job at a, a fairly well-known brand. I'd love to know, you know, what is, what is that organization, you know, um, you know, for us, are the, what are the conversations like, you know, in New York city with a brand like yours that you're working with? I'd love to, I'd love to hear some of that. Great. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to speak this for the record. Um, NASDAQ is, um, it's it's a great company, and I'm not just saying that as a cliche. I'm not saying that to 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 be pro Nasdaq. No, at the end of the day, I'm a contractor still working, you know, supporting Nasdaq. I'm not a full time employee yet, but I've been there for almost two years, and the, the only reason why I'm there is because I feel like family. It, it makes me feel welcomed. 
you know, from a diversity standpoint. And one thing I love about NASDAQ is that, you know, uh, our CEO, Dina Freeman, she fights so hard for diversity, inclusion, and for, you know, having our voices heard in the inner city community as well as African-Americans. So we have what's called, um, we have a lot of, um, what's the thing that I called again? We have groups, I'm gonna just say groups, like, like groups for each, each thing. So for example, we have a, a group called GLOBE and it's, it's basically put an emphasis on African-Americans, you know, working at NASDAQ and then they have uh, stuff for people that are in Asian Pacific Oh yeah, like the, uh, employee resource groups. There you go, there you go. Em <laughs> employee, employee networks, that was it. Yeah. That's the word, yeah. employee networks. <laughs> so NASDAQ has employee networks, um, stuff for, for LGBTQ, stuff for veterans, stuff for African-Americans, stuff for uh, uh, people that are from Asia Pacific and for women in NASDAQ. So it's, it's a really, really diverse uh, company, which I'm really grateful for. And you know, I already knew prior to this, NASDAQ really stood out to me to represent, you know, African-Americans and diversity within uh, uh, corporate America. Now I'm just saying they, they represent a whole and different groups as I just mentioned, but I'm just put emphasis on African-Americans since we're speaking about what's going on right now. So uh, the employee networks have really reached out to us as individuals to see what we can do better and what, what the company can do better in terms of making more of a footprint in the corporate realm within diversity, which I love a lot. So even before the whole George Floyd incident, they was really, really um, bringing about change. And um, they just ramped up even more after this. You know, I know some companies, you know, put out statements to save face. Uh, NASDAQ put out, you know, just just a, just a, a loving, warm, sincere, heartfelt appreciation for you know African Americans in the workforce within NASDAQ, and uh, I, it's just I'm really grateful to be there. That's why I'm still there, honestly, because if, if I didn't feel if I didn't feel connected to the company, and this is in general, if I don't feel connected to the company from an employee network standpoint, then I'm not going to be there. Because at the end of the day, I want to work at a company that can be there for 20 plus years and continue to grow and increase and continue to feel, you know, loved because corporations should, should have that and should have that for more employees. They should embrace the culture. They should learn more about the culture and they should do whatever they can to help level the culture, you know, and uh, NASDAQ is, is on the front foot in doing that. Love it. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, that. totally. Yeah. I, I love, I love, that because it's do you think do you because I, I think you know, we've all seen major organizations major mm -hmm. brands like nasdaq mm -hmm. come out with those statements like you said you know and, and we've talked a lot about how a lot of those are to save face or they're just performative and you know yep. what's really going on what's the action yep. do you so yep. but do you think what are you what do you say? I mean, do you see this time as different than, you know, let's say 91 or other mm -hmm. times before? What do you yeah. think it's different and why? If so, I think, well, I, I'm, I'm too excited about this. And this is another reason why I stopped. I only did that protest once and that was it because, you know, and this is sad to say, but from, from, from African Americans, we've seen this over and over again. We've seen 
you know, people jump on the, and I'm saying you guys, but in general, we've seen people jump on the bandwagon and say, oh, Black Lives Matter, you know, we, we, we're for that, you know, we feel that, and, and, and we, we're going to do more and do more, and then, like, five months later, something, they just go back to their regular selves. Five months later, they start clutching their purse. Five months later, they still, we're still being treated, you know, with, with inequality. Five months later, all the ads and all the stuff is done. So that's why I'm looking at it from a half-filled glass because it's like, yes, this is good. I'm so happy um, white America and suburban, suburbia America and corporate America is actually opening their minds and their eyes to what we've been trying to show them for decades. And I'm glad that there's changing happening within our legislative branches, our branches of government, as well as in corporations and, and small businesses as well too. However, I know some of them are just doing it just to save face because the black dollar is mighty powerful. Studies show that uh, the black consumer market is consists of $1.2 trillion. So to lose that demographic is mighty hard. Popeye's chicken owner is not black. Yet they have a lot of African-American advertisers to advertise Popeye's chicken to black consumers. And black consumers line up around Popeye's. Case in point, the chicken sandwich. People got stabbed over the chicken sandwich. You know, and it's just literally just a sandwich. It's just chicken. It's not really like nothing special about it. But yet the way it was marketed to black consumers, it caused for an uptake, an uptake in their business sales. So that's the way I see it. I, I see it like I'm grateful for changes happening now. And I pray that it continues to be changing within all facets of business life. But to say that I'm hopeful, I'm a little bit hopeful, but I'm also doubtful because I want to see what's going to happen during the holiday time. Because, you know, the news travels in cycles. Yes, right now the news is showing the Black Lives Matter movements and marches across the, across the globe and everything about George Floyd, what he did and, and stuff like that. But I want to see what happens a few months later. Because right now, as you know, we're in the election year. So I want to see, I want to see real change happen. I do. But, you know, I know some companies are just doing it to save face. Well, yeah. So I think one of the things that we, we're hearing from a lot of folks right now is like, what, what, what can we do? Mm -hmm. uh, what would, what, as individuals, what would you like to see happen? And, you know, as organizations, companies, communities, what, what, what needs to happen so that isn't just another thing that passes in the history books and mm -hmm. no action is, is taken. Like, how can we make a difference this time? Educating. Education is key. Um, from Jane Elliott, she says that from the ages of five to 17, American education is indoctrinating kids. They're not institutionalizing, they're not teaching, they're, they're indoctrinating. So, the, because, they want to teach only the history that makes them happy, not history that's actually happening or that happened. There's so many people, like a lot of young white kids now, are learning so much about African-American history within America than they learned in schools throughout the whole life. And the reason why they want to keep that away from them is because they don't want to see African-Americans be the majority. And the way I see it, it's, it's and, and, and this might sound controversial, but it's not about black and white. It's about 
love altogether. At the end of the day, love is all that matters. When I was when I was doing the protest, and I was I seen an African American uh, lady, she's a, a, a elderly one, and I seen a white dude, he was elderly as well too, and they just so happened to stand next to each other and they didn't notice it. I asked, I said, "Excuse me, ma'am, if you cut and you bleed, what color do you bleed?" She says red. I asked the gentleman next to him. I said, "If you get cut and you bleed, what color do you bleed?" He said red. I said, okay, we're all one on the inside. Why is there a difference on the outside? And that's how people need to look at it. Mm-hmm. We all bleed, we all bleed the same color. Once we all go and die, we all die the same. We end up in the casket or in the furnace and we just go off. We all have bones. We're the same exoskeleton structures between a man and a woman. So it's like why do I'm not saying uh, institutions, but why are some institutions teaching hate or teaching dislike for one another? I've seen a, a clip uh, on TikTok that went viral. There was this young, um, young white girl. She was talking to her parents, and um, she was asking them, "Why do you guys dislike black people so much?" And I, I and she she recorded the parents talking. And it was labeling us so bad, ghetto and violent and, and, and thugs and all that stuff. And I'm like, you guys have no idea. There's- I'm a, sorry. Good, good, good. Well, I, I, you know, I was just like, and I said this from day one because I saw somebody use the word thugs in relation to the protests and I'm, words matter. Like it's more yeah. than anything. You know, you're spot on. That's awesome. I come from poverty. I come from low-income housing. I come from a generation of poor people, of poorness and having to rely on government for assistance. You know, I broke that barrier by working in corporate America. I'm not just doing it just for me, myself. No, like I'm closing the opportunity divide. That's what Year Up does as well, too. That's where Karen came from. That's how I met Karen. And um, she keep on saying that I changed her life. And I'm like, I, I, you know, I'm a very humble person. I don't, I don't think I changed her life, you know. Um, she actually helped me as well, too. She helped me realize that, yo, listen, you know, the media want to betray all these lies. And it's not about black and white. I shouldn't dislike you just because of your color. Don't judge me by my color. Judge me by my character. Now, if I act thug-like and I'm always raunchy and loud and boisterous and just turn up the place, then yes, label me as a thug. But for you to just look at me, just because I'm 5'10", and I'm wearing a hoodie, and I'm walking around with my hands in my pocket, and I'm automatically a thug, is preposterous. I'm a very educated black nerd. I'm actually taking courses at Yale right now. So, you know, to, 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 to be judged by that, it really hurts. And even though I work for NASDAQ down here on Wall Street, I still have to come home to the same tactics that police use on a lot of African-American women. It sucks, but, you know, I feel change needs to happen all around. And one way that you guys can learn is just have an open dialogue conversation about it. That's it. You, 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 you want to know? They're going to they're gonna tell you what to do, what you should learn. 
you want to give you the backstories and stuff and really open your eyes to systemic racism. But that's if you really want to know. Because some people, like I said, you want to just a safe face. If you really want to know how to change or what, or what you guys can do, we'll tell you. Not a problem. What's it been like in New York? I mean, you're you're kind of in ground zero when it can't, comes to where COVID was hitting the worst. Yeah. What what has it been like over there? Yeah, I, I got I got I got one even worse. So I live in Queens, Long Island City, and a few weeks ago, the ground zero zero of it was an Elmhurst, which is not too far from me. It's about like 20, 20 minute ride from me, and um, I used to go to that hospital growing up, Elmhurst Hospital. That's that was the ground zero within the ground zero <laughs> of, of New York. So people were dropping like flies, and I was just stuck in the house. I didn't really want to do anything like go outside and stuff because my mom, she had a lot of underlying issues. So I didn't want it to, God forbid, I catch it and then I come back into the house and she catches it and she passes on, you know. So um, I wasn't afraid, you know. I was I was in the house. I still work from home, thank God. But to see it on the news every day, like one day a hundred people die, one day two hundred people die. You know, it was very unfortunate and, 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 and sad. And it was also sad to see a lot of uh, uh, minorities pass away due to that as well too. And it's not it's not just it is healthcare's fault that we don't even get proper healthcare within the same rights as the next person. But it's also, you know, our thoughts as well, too, because we go for the fast food. We go for the alcoholic beverages all the time. You know, we go for all that stuff. We don't exercise. You know, so uh, I'm not going to say it's all society's fault. However, if you come to my neighborhood, you'll see literally across the street. This is, this is crazy. This is how it's set up. Literally across the street. You got a liquor store, chicken cash in place, deli store, chicken spot. And then you go up the block, another 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 deli store, Chinese store, Chinese store, deli store. That's that. There's no Whole Foods at all. Mm-hmm. There's no banks at all. You have to walk down ten blocks to get to a bank. You have to walk ten blocks up the hill into a neighborhood full of condominiums you can't afford to get to a Chase Bank. So you know it's it's crazy. It really is crazy. Society set us up to fail, and it sucks. It really does. With with all of that going on, though, Anthony, like what I'm, like you're you're still you're still an individual who doesn't like. Okay, so you have the cards, and and again, this comes from I was born blind, and I. I, I, I don't know the sting of, of uh, racial injustice, but I felt the sting of, you know, being discriminated against a time or two in my lifetime. And yet you, you have the same spirit that I feel like I share uh, that is like, okay, yeah, it, it's, it's unfortunate, but I'm, I'm not going to be held down. I am going to make a change. I'm going to be a change agent. And that's that's what I'm hearing from you. It's like saying, okay, here are my cards I've been dealt, but I'm not done playing the game. I'm I'm far from over. And that's that's the spirit I'm really enjoying hearing from you, though, Anthony. That's the that's the spirit I feel everybody should have. 
you know, even from your perspective, you know, God bless you. You know, you could have been the type that said, you know what, I'm going to just put life, you know, I'm blind. I can't see the beauty of the world. I can't see, you know, fireworks going on during Independence Day or New Year's Eve. I can't see, you know, a lovely wife or a lovely husband, you know, to what you choose. I can't see things like that, but I can feel it, you know, but it, it's, it, 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 to be in that predicament, it's like, you will want to quit. You will want to quit. But, you know, even from you and your strength, you know, you persevered, you worked through it, you know, and you just used the things that God gave you to make a, to make a voice of yourself and to make it better for, for, for a community. You know, you have the spirit, you have that light to, 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 to shed, to shine darkness and a lot of people that are handicapped within the community. And I know you can do it as well too, because you have that drive and you have that push to do so. I mean, look at you, you have a podcast and you're doing it. You know, so um, I always look to inspiration, you know, to, to help me drive to become a better person. One of my inspirations is my mom. You know, besides God, that's the foundation, but God and to Jesus Christ. But my mom is inspiration. You know, uh, she's she inspired me of things where I shouldn't do, you know, so I could be better off. And that's how it should be. It's always you pass down, you know, you want to see somebody better than what you've done. You know, like for example, I have a little brother. I want him to be better than me and what I've done. And he's doing a good job at it right now, too. But it's just, you have to find, and this goes to anybody who feels like they want to give up on life, you know, because I've been there too. You have to find that one little stretch of light and pull it as hard as you can so it can become the sun to shine on you for a better future. I can't think of a better way to to end that. I mean, that was, that's, a, that's I love it. Yeah, I'm with Mike. You're, you're, you have this amazing energy and this positivity that, that, yeah, it's just, it gives me hope to hear people like you, to listen to people like you. So thank you, Anthony, for, you know, your vulnerability and, and for being a part of, um, a part of this with us and, and for trusting us. I can't thank you enough. Yeah, thank, oh, thank you. you. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Anthony. Always. And thank you all again for listening. Um, you know, please keep keep checking in. Check the website chooseinclusion.com. Uh, we'll keep updating the the schedule, and we're going to keep bringing these black voices to the forefront as much as possible for the foreseeable future. So stick with us. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Can I also Nina do and Mike. Shout out? Yeah, please. Yes. Okay. So I just want to shout out. If you want to if you want to see more of those pictures that I'll take it from the protest. Uh, I'm also a photographer as well too. And the only reason why I book those artistic people there is because I'm also, I'm a, I'm a poet and a songwriter and I also do photography. So um, to see more of those pictures and stuff, or if you just want to follow me to follow me, or if you need any photos done or videos done, um, you can follow me on my Instagram at Genius World Photos. That's G-E-N-I-U-S-W-O-R-L-D-P-H-O-T-O-S, Genius World Photos. And um, send me a friend request and be more than willing to assist if you like the pictures. And if you want to get some framed, I'll be more than willing to frame that picture too. Awesome. I, I just put that in the notes on the YouTube channel. It'll show up on our website. So 
Awesome. Yeah. So support Anthony, everybody. Um, thank Absolutely. you again, man. This was so great. Thank, thank you all very much. Oh, thank Take you. Care. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. Take care, everyone.